0: We are going to be talking about his investment journey in the St. Louis market. We're going to talk about how he has scaled his portfolio to over $1.7 million just in in just a few years. And we're going to go into some very tactical steps today, including how does he look up rents? How does he look up the crime score for an area? And then we're going to go through actual examples of some of his properties, what their purchase prices are, rehab numbers are, all the nitty gritty details that you would want to know so that you might not be as afraid anymore when you're getting started in affordable housing. Um, Andre was also able to share a lot of good screening tips with us on how he goes about his screening process for his residents on his eight properties. And we're going to get right into the details here. So I'm really excited for this conversation today, guys. Make sure you tune in and you stay throughout the entire conversation and please subscribe to our podcast on youtube.com slash at kent underscore he or you can also find us on apple Podcasts. if you're there please leave us a five-star review because we can really use the support and don't forget to share this podcast with people that you think might want to help other folks uh through affordable housing let's get into the highlights and let's get into the conversation
1: i found this tool called top Hap. again this is not enough sponsorship, but I wanted a quick that's tophap.com. Yes, top hat. So, I they have this crime index score that represents good versus bad. So, 100 is the national average, and then 1100 is like a war zone, right? So, it goes from one. All the way to um, 1100.
0: Hey, welcome to another episode of Affordable Housing and Real Estate Investing. Today, I got my guy, a returning guest, one of the first returning guests ever on this podcast, Andre. If you haven't seen his old podcast uh, with me on about just about a year ago now, definitely check that out because we talked a lot about how to screen tenants. But now I'm bringing back Andre to really talk about how much his portfolio has grown and what he has learned and how he has really. Succeeded at even another level in the St. Louis market. So, without further ado, Andre, for the people that don't know you from last year's podcast, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you even get started in affordable housing, man?
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, th- thanks, Kent, for having me back. Um, you know, a year ago, I was on the podcast and I had just uh, acquired and, and put uh, tenants into my first three properties, right? So, it was a baby at the time. I now have 16 units right? I now got a credit line. I now got a a system uh, working on the ground. Um, And the way I got started was, you know, essentially 10 years ago, right? I'm I'm working minimum wage, no degree. Um, My family came from the Section 8 world. So I knew, you know, uh, you know, and and, and government assistance. So I I knew what all those programs and social programs were about. And so I was just looking at, I started working um, and somehow, from selling cell phones at the mall kiosk to now, I, I sell global technology to the Fortune 100. And what I started doing was, you know, I started looking at how, ways where I could start um, giving back and also investing, so that I don't have to work this hard, right? To to go from selling uh, cell phones to you know selling global technology to the Fortune 100, it's a grind that you know we could talk about another day. But to have done this with no degree. I know that I can't work this hard for a, for a long period of time. So I'm looking at, I started looking at other ways that I could get into real estate or stock. I was looking at stocks. I was looking at investing in assisted living homes. Um, I actually acquired four Airbnb rentals and did rental arbitrage. Right. So I tried everything and and I essentially settled on section eight because of the low cost, the entry level to get in there. And then also I think that these tenants in this market are, not um focused on or cared for. And the way I look at it is I take that personal from the standpoint of even section 8 tenants deserve quality housing because that's my that's how I grew up, right? So so that's my that's kind of how I got started um you know taking the plunge about 2 years ago and then you know speaking to you uh, a year ago when I had three properties at the time. Yeah, man.
0: And I think this is the coolest part where I really wanted to bring on investors from all aspects right single family mom-and-pop landlords and also ground-up construction new developers because i think everybody's journey is so different mm-hmm. and for the audience listening right now you can just look at how much andre has grown he's going from i think he said 16 properties did i catch 16 that correctly yes properties.
1: Yeah, properties
0: three last year to yep. 16 in yep. a year that yep. is an amazing amazing progress and well let's talk about how did you grow so much in a year man so Tell us just a little about your portfolio at a high level, like what's the market value look like for all 16 properties and
1: how'd you grow it so fast, man? So it's worth uh, the, I I just got them all appraised a month ago because uh, I I just refinanced, but um, it's worth 1.7 and 1,700,000 and 25,000. So let's just call it 1.7, right? Um, uh, And it's 16 properties. Um, And the way I grew fast, I'll be honest with you, Kent, I've been doing really great at work. And so I've been uh, uh, saving my commissions. I live very frugally, I would say, um, you know, paid off car. Right. No, no designer things. Right. You know, um, you know, cheap phone. I mean, I'm that guy. Right. And, uh, you know, just put it all into real estate. Right. So I I, I tested out with three or really with four. And then um, once I refinanced and, you know, and just Figured it all out. I then just went all in. I bought an eight package portfolio. So I brought, bought eight at one time. So that got me to 12. Then wow. I bought two and then I bought another two. So now I'm buying portfolios. I'm buying multiple at once now. Um, additionally, I just got approved now with for a $750,000 credit line uh, with a hard money lender. And so um, I'm now learning how, you know, that essentially allows me to buy about seven or eight properties at once now. Um, fix them up, rehab them, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, that's that's really how I, how you know how I how well.
0: I, let I, me let me pause you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said something about I saved all my commissions and you essentially just bootstrapped it because you don't have any yeah. partners, right, on all these right. properties. No
1: partners. And
0: I, I can't emphasize this enough with people where everybody always says I want to to quit my W job, W two job as soon as possible, and. And it's really more like a superpower if you really think about what Andre has just done and he has led by example Done doing is he saved all his commissions from his sales job. He's crushing it. But this is one of the traits that you want to see in a successful real estate investor. One who is managing their finances properly, who's living a frugal life with delayed gratification. Yeah, and then also learning how to use his W-2 income to get more credit for future properties. And that's how you were able to scale so fast, man. Well, dude, I commend you on your strategy, your discipline, because I know it wasn't hard to stay away from those designer things as you got to a million
1: seven portfolio. (laughs) I have been looking at some sports cars. Yeah, I have been looking at some (laughs) green sports cars, but I haven't pulled the trigger just yet, right? But um, to your point, right? um, I'm living frugally, right? Delayed gratification, um, all of those things, right? Really played a factor. And what I've learned is Um, I, with having W2 income, it is very easy to get approved for a loan. Now, the way I look at it is I tell people, if you can afford a car payment, you can afford an investment payment, right? The average, my average payment, right? So my, you know, I read a stat that said the average car payment is $700 now in America, right? So the average payment of a house I buy is around $500 after the down payment and everything. So if you can afford 700 a month for a car, you can afford 500 a month for an investment property, right? That's kind of the way the math works.
0: Right, well, there you go. Like 500 bucks, I mean, it's a trade-off, right? Do you want a fancy car that's depreciating or you want a house that's paying off by itself and appreciating, right? Common sense, guys, but I get that. Sometimes you need a car to get to your jobs, that's okay. But for the people that are wondering, hey, there are no more deals out there. Interest Uh, rates have gone too high, I can't get a deal. Andre, tell us just about a recent deal you've done. Oh like my gosh. what was let's go through the status, right? I want to know the purchase price, like when oh. approximately you bought it. Yes. Rehab, actuals, length, ARV,
1: and a cash flow after absolutely. the refinance if so, you did one. Let's talk absolutely. About it. So let me is it cool if I shared my screen or is that not allowed? Uh you can share your screen for sure. Pull yeah. it up. Yeah, let's yeah. Let me uh yeah,
0: and for the audience that are listening in their cars feel free to check us out at youtube.com slash at Kent underscore H E on YouTube, because I do want you to see some examples of what Andre is able to share for us. Uh,
1: Andre, it probably. Yeah, oh, no, I'm probably ready. At. I just want to we go. Go for it. You're speaking. There we go. So you wanna, go yeah. for it. So, did yeah, share this, it? This is a great question. Um what I've learned is that in this market in section 8, we're talking sub $100,000 homes. The interest rate does not matter as much. Um it it's the it's the difference between a 3% interest rate or a 7% interest rate, it's really uh, the difference between $100 a month.
0: Great perspective. Right? So, I'm sorry. Great perspective there. Yeah.
1: So, so let, I'm going to show you exactly what I did. This is a software I like to use. And then, you know, I, and I, I show like some advanced stuff in my course on how to, how to operate with this, but this is a property I bought. And DJ just for so- people
0: listening on, on the podcast, right. You're using a software called Privy. Am I looking Privy. at it correctly?
1: Yes. Right. Correct, Privy. And it, this is publicly available information that you can find for free. But for me, I pay for speed. They put all the data together for you and I'm able to sift through it instead of looking through the county records and blah, 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 right? So I think, it, you know, I'm no. this is not an ad, but I think it's like $90 a month or so, but it just saves me a ton of time. So I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show you what I did when I bought this property. So, so as you can see here, when I bought this property, I bought it for 70K, right? Um, I don't know if you're able to see the screen, does it does it show the line?
0: Yeah, I can I can see the line. to 70k. You might want to zoom in just a little bit, okay, just in case right. for people that. There you go. All
1: right, so 70k. And when I looked at the distance to the other properties that are sold, right, it's just showing up the closest comps. I'm looking at properties 136, 130, 121, right, 67. This one I remember seeing this, and okay, 67, but it was ran down, right? So. I clearly saw, this is being sold for 70K, this is 1300 square feet, right? Um, As you can see similar lots, similar everything, right? So when I saw it, I said, oh gosh, this property doesn't look like it needs a ton of work. So these were the actual property, uh, these are the actual videos, or if you can, I'm sifting through here. I said, oh, so this is instantly worth whatever, you know. it's certainly worth over 100K. Now, I then pulled an inspection I um I purchased it so let me tell you what I purchased for it was 70k I put 20% down which I think was around 14k my loan was 56000 taxes insurance everything I was all in at 535 um um and with a 56k balance right um at 7% interest and so um the market rent on this is $1200 three bedroom in this area $1200 on section 8. So I knew that I'd be cash flowing at least 6 to $700 after property management. Wow.
0: Right? All right.
1: So so what I did is now once I'd had the inspection done, I we did find out that there was a roofing issue that costed 2200. That there, there was an HVAC issue, I think that was around 1500. I needed to paint it. Basically my budget to fix this up was around 10,000. Um, Got I've it. And Andre, it. let
0: me just pause you real quick so everyone's mm-hmm. following. So you found this property on the MLS, right? Just Correct. like regularly on the market. Correct. Okay. Zillow. And how did you get alerted to? Were you just setting up <laughs> alerts? Did you have a realtor yeah, so, that's working for you?
1: Yeah, I do have a realtor. I have a team on the ground. So I have a realtor, but the main, I actually go on Zillow and I just put my criteria, which is 100, under 100,000 and um, three bedrooms or more is what I focus on. That's simple. It.
0: And I literally look at every property. <laughs> got it. And I want so. everyone to kind of follow what he has done, right? He's got relationships with the realtor. He's setting up the alerts so that he establishes a criteria for what he knows might possibly be a deal. And he is looking up all the ARV of the surrounding properties, which gives him the best chances at getting back or taking out all, if not at least some of the capital that he has invested into the property so that he can actually recycle the cash that he just poured into this investment into the next deal. So thanks for letting me you. I just want to make sure I'm catching about lot the
1: audience to it. Yes, yes, yes. So I think, like I said, 14K down for closing. I got a $2,000 credit because they, the roof was messed up. You can't tell in this photo, but you see there's a blue little little tarp right mm, here interesting yeah so again all this came out when i did the inspection which you know i have a guy that's my inspection guy cost me around 250 for him to take an in-depth look at all the major appliances and you know the roof the hvac and so i looked at this and said well this is at least a 100k property and 10k or less i got a 2k credit at closing um you know and and so on and so forth now what what was an additional bonus is it says three beds one bath but they were actually using one of the bedrooms as like a pool bedroom like, like a, they had their pool it was like a den or something so this actually was a four bedroom and so let me see here if I can see the uh yeah so this is actually a fourth bedroom that they were using as like a pool like studio thing like game that, room interesting yes exactly and so i said holy cow I'm sitting on a gold mine because remember, Section 8 pays more for the amount of bedrooms that you have. So I'm not looking at $1,200 a month now. I'm looking at $1,400 a month now, right? Uh, um, and so obviously, that's great for a DSCR loan, right? Or just in general, right? More cash flow, the better. Um, and so that w- that popped up after the inspection. I said, I got to have this property, even though it does need 10K of work. Like the entire fence was broken in the back, so I had to get you know somebody to fix the fence. There was just a lot of little knickknack stuff. I repainted everything. Um, um, and so yeah, but as you can tell, this property looks like it could almost be rent ready right like right now, right? I, you know so I just went in there and made it a little bit nicer. Got it. And what
0: was your total rehab on this property then?
1: So it, I, it came in at eleven thousand. okay. Now,
0: so roughly around fourteen k down, eleven thousand for rehab, so you're all in around twenty five thousand now. Yeah,
1: exactly. However, this was my first time doing this, and I was inexperienced, and I went through my property management company to do all the repairs, and that was not a good idea because one, it was double the price than if I would have just had (laughs) my own person, and then two, the property management company doesn't necessarily have everything uh, in house. So they were actually contracting. So anything I needed. So the fence, they send it to a fence company, right? The roof, they send it to a roof company or, um, you know, the paint. I rather just have one guy or handyman that can do it all for me. And that's now have a, now that's what I have on my uh, team. But when I first did this one, this rehab should have been 6K, but I ended up spending 11K though. Interesting. Yes,
0: and, yes, it does.
1: And, but you're, But the thing though is this is my first time doing it, right? You got to take the leap uh, and learn, right? And so um, um, if I didn't take that leap, I would have never figured this out, right? Um, but that was one of the mistakes I made was doing this rehab through the property management. What I do now is for all rehabs, I actually have my trusted handyman contractor uh, that does everything for me very quick and um, for just the, the best cost. Got so, it. So
0: even though you paid an extra five grand, oh, how long did the,
1: the renovation take for this property? So, you know what? It, it actually took about two to three months, <laughs> which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, um, and again, that's because they're contracting out to everybody. Not everybody was available. Somebody, you know, they needed to take pictures. We sent multiple quotes to do this job. It was just not the greatest process. And it took two to three months. Now I get everything done in one to two weeks, even heavier. Wow! Yes, but but again, this was my first one doing this, right? Um, and so essentially, all that went into it. I refinanced in June, and the property appraised at one fifteen. Let's go! So appraised at one fifteen. Now check this out. They actually, my lender gave me a six point five percent interest on the uh, on the refi. Uh, Because I did a 30-year loan, but a 10-year arm. Now, now I'm going to explain what a 10-year arm is. A 10-year arm is in 10 years, the interest rate can reset to the new prime rate, whatever it may be, right? And so that scared the hell out of me because, um, you know, the 08 financial crisis or whatever, right? However, I read the fine print and what it basically is saying at If in the worst case scenario, the interest rates are astronomical, they limit how high your interest rate can go, which the highest my interest rate can go is 11.5% in 10 years. Now, even at 11.5% with today's rent that I got on this property, I'm still cash flowing $60. So my standpoint was, well, I'm obviously going to raise rents Mm -hmm. over the course of 10 years, and if the worst case scenario happens i'm still cash flowing even at today's market price right so i mean at today's rent so i said i was i was willing to do the 10 year arm and that's where doing 10 year arms or higher interest on these type of you know sub 100k properties there's really not a ton of risk does that make sense oh yeah i mean just so the audience really understands everything that's
0: going on right now um andre not only has thought about the worst case scenario, but he calculated what the worst case scenario might look like. So for all the folks out there that are so scared of taking action, like, oh, you might have heard that Andre just spent $5,000 more for the rehab versus if he would have done it himself. To me, think about, use this as an analogy. You probably spent about $40,000, fifty, maybe even $60,000, $70,000 a year now on college. Mm-hmm. That's tuition. Yes. In my opinion, Andre paid $5,000 for tuition. Mm-hmm. And learned and he also built out a team in interim. For me, that's a much, much more valuable education that he learned that he experienced and now he's willing to share this value with the audience that's listening to this right now. How great is that? You guys just got at the minimum $5,000 of value just by listening to what Andre has said. If not, you probably got $115,000 piece of value just by listening to Andre and how he just executed this project. This is so cool,
1: man. Yeah, and check this out too. Now, by my real estate, by my property management firm sending all the jobs out, I then got introduced to the painter that did this house Mm. is now my main contractor and everything for, for everything else now. He's the first off, he did the job so fast and the price was so good. I called him directly and said, who are you? You know, how did blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, no, I have my own company. I've got 20 employees. So if you need more things, I can do everything. And I said, what? And now he's my main contractor.
0: That- and that's all it is. Guys, and it, that's took, all it is. It, it
1: took an investment. I overspent 5K, right, on this, you know, but look at what I got now, right? Look at what I received a trusted handyman that has done three more rehabs for me since then.
0: And for me, guys, like I would pay $5,000 to get access to the best of the best people. This is why you invest sometimes when, you know, you might not need a realtor. You might not need someone to coordinate your entire rehab, but somehow, some way, Andre stumbled into an all-star team. And I think that's what's going to allow you to truly succeed in whatever market you're in, because even the most seasoned investors, they all have this problem. It's about yes. finding the reliable people that are responsive and they just do what they say that they were going to do. And sometimes that is just so hard in and of itself to find a team like that. So, Andre, you have seemed to have established and created an all star team. Uh, but let's wrap up this deal. Okay. because yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah. Gotta I mean,
1: refinance. What's your cash yeah. looking like okay, after right refi? Right. So, going into the deal, my first loan, right when I bought it for 70K, we were looking at it's 535 a month. And I was looking at around twelve hundred in cash flow, right, or twelve hundred a month um, in terms of uh, the rent for the three bedroom. Come to find out, it's a four bedroom, so I got, so I'm started getting thirteen eighty instead of twelve hundred. And when I refinanced it, um, my mortgage went up to seven forty, $740, so seven forty one. So thirteen eighty minus seven forty one. So what is that? minus $100 for the property management fee. So it's $539 cash flow. And remember, I refinanced it. So at $115, my lender did a $7525 cash out refi. So cash to me was $86,250. And I had to pay off the old loan, which I owed a balance of $56,000. So it was exactly $30,000 cash back to me. And I'm still cash flowing $539 per month. So
0: you got back all your capital, maybe plus minus five grand, okay, and you're still making five hundred thirty-five dollars cash flow, uh, dude. What a great deal! Yeah, way to go, man. Congratulations on yes. this one. Let me remove yes. this one, but congratulations on this deal. Thanks for taking us through real numbers because. Man, sometimes people just need those tactical steps to really yep. understand like how do I take action on this? Like, stop telling me I can do this, stop telling me I just yep. let me see. Here's our numbers. So, so thank yes. you, thank you for being so open and transparent with mm-hmm. those details. But let's so now that you showed us the deal, people are now interested, like, okay, how do I become like Andre? Yeah. You're in the St. Louis market. Yep. Where should people invest in St. Louis?
1: So that's a that's a great question. Um, it it really depends on what you're trying to do. Um, so for me what I looked at were um, I wanna spend the least amount of money and get the highest return, right? I'm a cash on cash based investor. A lot of people play the appreciation game or a lot of people do multifamily. I'm like, how little money can I spend to make the most cash? And so I found that section eight rentals in St. Louis, um, we're well exceeding the 1% rule. Are you familiar with the 1% rule? I so, am, but for the audience that don't yeah. know, why don't you explain that? So, if you if you're buying a property uh, for one hundred thousand dollars, it needs to rent for at least one percent of the purchase price, meaning at least if it's a hundred thousand dollar home, at least one thousand per month, right? Mm-hmm. So now, what I started finding out was with interest rates going higher, that one percent rule is kind of getting a little squeezed. But I started finding two percent deals, deals for seventy five k. Four bedrooms that are renting for 1400 right so for me the highest cash return is what i'm looking for right um and so so for that i then found a pocket in st louis if you look at the city you'll see you know that there's the city in the middle and essentially no, what they call north county is where i focus so um from jennings above all the way to above the airport it's what's called north county Um, And so that's, those are the areas where you're going to find 70 to 80K, 90K homes that are renting for 12, 13, 1400. And so um, that's, that's my focus. And I think, uh, you know, if if that's a strategy that you like, you know, certainly you could could do it as well. So, (laughs) so, but yeah, in terms of, Yeah. Well, you
0: showed me something called uh, you evaluate crime scores, right? Cause I think yes. we've read enough books in the past was like, Hey, there's the 1% rule. This doesn't really exist. 2% rule. That sounds too good to be true. Yeah. And some investors will say, well, there must be a reason why there must be yeah. a reason why. So help us explain how do you mitigate the risk through that's a, that's a great some potentially bad
1: areas? That's, that's actually a great question. So um, my first, My first five properties, I just bought willy nilly. Um, No crime data. I just went off of. I'd ask my realtor, "Hey, is this good or no?" Right, like, like, and and that's not to create a nice scalable business. That's not reliable enough. Uh, I'm. I come from the tech world. I need data and science. How can I quickly analyze what you know a good area versus a bad area? My two properties out of my sixteen, the two I bought just willy nilly. are doing terrible because they're in the worst area. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm having trouble with, you know, finding tenants sometimes. And then, um, and then there's no appreciation on those two properties because of the crime. So I, I will take you, and this is, uh, you know, again, I'm going to include this in my course, right? A more in-depth analysis, but I'm going to show you another tool that I use. Um, Got it.
0: And I think that this is why people would like this episode so much. Because I know that one, you just talked about a slamming deal. Yeah, But now you're also talking about a deal that you didn't do so well. And I think this is the hard truth that people really need to understand because this is why you listen to Andre. Yes. He's yes. willing to share even the bad deals that he has done. And when we talk about terrible, I'm assuming you mean high vacancy, no cash flow, because it's an area that's hard to fill. Am I yes. stating that yes. back correctly to you? Yes, okay. yes.
1: So I'll, I'll tell you what's good and what's bad. I'm going to show you. Uh, All right. Go week. for it. Yep. Okay. So I found this tool called TopHap. Again, this is not enough sponsorship, but I wanted a quick... That's T-O-P-H-A-P.com. Yes, TopHap. So I, they have this crime index score that represents good versus bad. So 100 is the national average, and then 1100 is like a war zone, right? So it goes from one... All the way to um, eleven hundred, and so I started saying, "Okay." I started looking at my properties. This the, this one I showed you was a three sixty one here, right? And then I said, "What does that mean, right?" And then I started looking at where I live. So what I my reference point was where do I live? And I where I live is very safe, and I like it. And um, you know, let me see. What the crime score is where i live and i looked at it and i live in a 400 crime zone <laughs> and i was like holy cow and here i think 361 is, is 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 not is is uh here i think 361 is a lot but it really means it's, it's a good score right now so this is what i use i don't go above 400 and now i'm going to show you what a terrible property looks like
0: Okay. So that's good. So you have your own frame of reference on where you live personally. And I think always, always, that's a great example for people where, especially you live in a metropolitan in a downtown area, chances are you're in a denser population. So crime scores might sometimes be skewed towards higher because there is just naturally more
1: population in the area.
0: So that's a really good way for you to kind of base it.
1: correct. Uh, Correct. So now when I look at the 361 property, look at this neighborhood. Do you see this? Like, not only do I, it's just a suburban area. This is what my tenants want. This is what a Section 8 tenant wants. They want their own place in a nice area. You see how this area is, you see how it looks?
0: And just for the people looking um, that might just be listening, what I typically look for is just like, hey, are there any signs of boarded up homes? Boarded are up there homes. a lot of trash on the streets and look abandonment? And right now we're just seeing well-maintained lawns um, exactly. on the screen right now.
1: And and this is not only, I, I also visited, it even looks nicer when I visited. So remember, Google Maps gives it to you like raw, right? And so if it looks like this on Google Maps, you could just imagine, right, when you actually show up, it, it's actually in a nicer condition than what you see. So this is what a three sixty one, you know, looks like, right, in terms of a crime score. Now, my other, my worst property, I'm going to show you, right. And now, as you can tell, this one's in a nine hundred zone. <laughs>
0: okay, that sounds a little bit worse. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so what this means is that the crime in this area is nine times the national average because the national average is one hundred, right? I see. Got it. And then now I'm going to show you what that neighborhood looks like right? So, so it doesn't look too bad looking, you know, looking at it like this, right? doesn't look too bad. You go here, you're by train tracks, right? Which is this, these are, these are train tracks. Let me go to the major street. Look, look at how bare this is. You've got warehouses that are boarded up, not just homes, but warehouses. Do you see this? Oh,
0: interesting!
1: Interesting. Yes. yes. Then I okay. I was like, okay, let me get to the closest area where there's like food and you know stuff like that, right? So let me take you to the closest like commerce here, a laundromat, right? Then you got a boarded up Popeyes here, right? And it just looks unlively. These are this is boarded up as well over here. See these like random uh, businesses here. Uh, I see. Yeah, so sometimes uh, like
0: boarded up things. It, I mean, I've seen in areas in Detroit where yeah. if a fix and flipper is renovating a property, they might board up the windows to make sure there's no squatters yeah. that gets in. But when you see so many signs of boarded up businesses,
1: yes, like so, that's
0: generally not advisable,
1: right? So you can see, look at how look at this, right? Just and then I drove by and I was like, oh, now I see why no one wants to live in this area or why it's hard to find people. Look at look at you just can't nothing, you know, nothing's a dollar store, but it's just, it looks rural, but this is a metropolitan, right? This is a metropolitan city. So um, that's what a 900 looks like. And so this helps me in instant find out what I can do, what I shouldn't do. Does that, is that fair?
0: Yeah. And I think this is a great strategy, right? Now Andre has shown us a tool that he uses personally for his his properties that he uses as the criteria to determine, do I want to buy into or not want to buy here? Correct. So that's a great tool. How about estimating rents? Okay. How much can people expect to collect for rents for a three or four bedroom property in St. Louis? How can people, what are they? And then how can people find out for themselves?
1: Yeah. So, so I don't know if, is the screen still sharing? Yep. It's back. Perfect. So I just type Google HUD FMR. I go to fair market rents. I go, oh, we're already in 2024. So I click 2024. You're gonna go to Missouri. And then I already know it's in St. Louis City and St. Louis County. So that you know, that's St. Louis City and St. Louis County, it's the exact same. So it doesn't matter for, for Missouri. So as you can see here, um, when I bought this property, it's set around $9.99 for a two-bedroom, right? So you can get 90% of this fair market rent.
0: Whoa, that's a big jump there, guys. And just in case people don't see, it went from $9.99 for a two-bedroom in 2023 to now $1,209. That's a
1: significant jump. This is No, the rents are exploding, right? So a property I bought uh, for $98,000, one year later, appraised for one forty. dollars I didn't even do anything to it. And I was able to refinance it. So rents are exploding here. Um, and I would assume property values too, but uh, now you know I, I've got a little system here. But yeah, this is what I was purchasing on when I purchased it. I was looking at twenty twenty three. It was nine hundred, and so typically you're going to get around ninety percent of the fair market rent. So nine hundred would be a, this property was a, I bought it for forty six thousand, and it rents for eight fifty right now. So that that two bedroom that I showed you, the 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 the, the, the terrible one. So I'm still cash flowing on it. It's just not a good property. My mortgage on it is 308. Um, So, you know, but it's just, you know, not a good property.
0: (laughs) And we're recording this for the listeners that might be listening to this in the future. We're recording this in October 2023 with a 2024 rents that just come out like a three bedroom property. In 2023, it was rented for 12.94 as a ceiling, right? Like Andre just said, you will probably typically get about 90% of that. Yes. But that rent for three bedroom just went up to 15.65, which is the new ceiling. Yes. That is 20% increase in <laughs> your rents, and this is exactly. for affordable housing section eight. Typically, the government will pay on time every single month. There yes. is a outsized opportunity here now, guys. So please, and, please, please pay attention.
1: And I'm getting, I, I you know, my 1400, uh, you know, four bedrooms. I just got approved for another 120 increase, right? So my four bedrooms are, are, are for the four bedroom properties go like hotcakes. Cause there's not a lot of four bedrooms and there's so many four bedroom vouchers, um, in this market. So I love getting four bedrooms cause I just, it's the best bang for your buck. They're just hard to find. I've got about four, uh, four bedrooms out of my 16. And so I have one, two bedroom and the rest are all three bedrooms. So um, but yeah, that's that's yeah. So this is how you estimate what you're gonna get. And this applies across an
0: entire county. Well, Andre, um, you know, for the people that says, like, hey, this sounds too good to be true still after looking at all of these items, yeah. What has been your experience getting rent increases for your properties? Is has the they has been, been pretty amenable?
1: Yeah, there's not even a negotiation. There it I just get it. There's not even it's just you have to the main thing is you have to submit to get the rent increase 60 days before the lease is the lease is up. So anywhere between mm. four to two to four months before the lease is up is the time frame to get it. And I've done it twice um, and I just haven't gotten any opposition and it just goes up. They just give you. So
0: a you just submit a rent increase form. request, I'm form. guessing, okay, Form it, it takes, like, it takes
1: me like three. it just says, I'm the landlord, here is my email here's the ownership paperwork that I own it. Uh, You know, please increase the rent. And then they ask you for what you want. And honestly, I've gotten every rent increase I wanted. And I'm like, man, I should have like, they say when you uh, get what you want in a good (laughs) you didn't negotiate <laughs> enough right so i wish i would have put the number super high that they would have came back right at a no- lower number but what well, do you put your rent increase number as the same as what we
0: see here on the screen for you the fmr on the website
1: so i so one of my four bedrooms is getting a 1330 and i put in a, a request for 1450 right mm. and they just gave it to me in five within five minutes, and I'm like, damn it, I should have asked for sixteen hundred, and maybe they would fifteen hundred, right? But uh, yeah, I got fourteen fifty on a four bedroom. Uh, but it, and, it went into effect last month, so I don't think got it twenty twenty four was out yet. So yeah, this is
0: pretty new. This is the first yeah. time I saw it, just like last week. So yeah, this makes so, a lot of sense.
1: So at that time, I'm I was negotiating against. 1512 ce- ceiling, right? So I was mm. like, 90% of this is probably 1400 ish. Let me just do 1450, right? Yeah. I, I did not know it's 1818. I would have put 1818 on the. On the uh, yeah. On the- but now, guys, this is a great, great example of we
0: just talked about how scary it was to get a 10 year arm with a floating rate. But remember, Andre did the worst case scenario. And this just shows you how the rent gone up 300 bucks for a four bedroom property.
1: Yep. Uh, yep. Now,
0: this probably won't happen every single year. But this is what's in front of us right now, and right now there might be a really good opportunity here in St. Louis. Yep. So this is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that those details because I think that's what's really important for people to figure out. Like, hey, how do I do this? Um, how complex is it dealing with the local housing authority? Um, is it only one housing authority that no has worked no. with
1: you? That's a great okay. question. I have. There's two housing authorities: St. Louis okay. City and St. Louis County. There's also a couple smaller organizations that are like uh, for domestic, you know, domestic abuse victims. Mm and So they do have that. But I haven't had any of those tenants. I've only had St. Louis City, St. Louis County. So when you post the property and someone applies to your property, you don't know what housing authority it is until you get their voucher from them. And then, um, I, I definitely like prefer one over the other just due to response times and things like that. But, um, working with them is it's pretty straightforward. The issue that I think a lot of people have is that they don't answer or respond in mm. time frames. Now I'm a professional seller, right? I, I, I sell, you know, uh, I do sales and outreach and cold calls and stuff. So for me, it is nothing to keep bugging, keep emailing. I, I have a cadence. I know how to do it. And I think what people get frustrated with is they didn't respond or this, but they don't know that it's a game, right? And you just continue contacting, continue following up, so on and so forth. And then I built relationships with some of the housing folks, right? So when I need something done or things have came up, um, I know how to reach who to reach out to and things like that. So um, yeah, it's 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 getting the process is getting better, but it definitely was the hardest to start. Got it. And
0: because the residents or the tenants, they might have a voucher from either the St. Louis City Housing Authority or the St. Louis County mm-hmm. Housing Authority. They still qualify for a rental in whatever areas that you're investing in currently. Yeah, right? right. Okay. Right. Go right. okay. That's super clear. So we already talked about acquisition strategy. Let's just talk a little bit more about how you built your team because you mentioned earlier that you built your team by one, finding your painter who mm-hmm. did your prior rehab. How did you find your current property manager?
1: So actually um, I'm still in, I've got three property managers, right? And yeah, yeah. It, it is not recommended guys. Interesting. Not recommended. I, I like what one does. I don't like what the other does. Um, the other the, and the third property management company, they were already managing the eight properties I acquired and so they had intimate details of those properties. And because I didn't absolutely love my other two, I was like, you know what? Let me just test and see who's got what. I um, mean, that actually strategy has helped me out because, um, yeah, I, I, I don't love what's going on with the property managers. Um, um, they don't, you know, yeah, that, that maybe that's a conversation for another day, but I do have three different property managers.
0: Got it. And then for the audience out there right now, like Let's just keep it positive. What have you enjoyed and liked the most from your property managers? What are some of your your hints of great best practices or great
1: management style, et cetera? Okay, great question. So I wouldn't say I hate them or anything like that. Let's just keep it positive. Um, What I love, what I noticed that is the best thing about a property management company is you want a property management company that has their in-house maintenance techs, in-house people. I've learned that my costs were skyrocketing uh, because that property management company was outsourcing every job and it just, it creates a gap. So I really look for property management companies that have their own uh, maintenance techs in-house because it's cheaper, more reliable, so on and so forth. So that's for those out there, you want to ask your property management company, do you have in-house maintenance techs? Very key, very key. Um, and yeah, so that, that's, that's, that's the main thing I look for, but I, what I do enjoy about them is, um, I used to manage my own Airbnb rentals and getting calls at Saturday at 1am, you know, they, cause they forgot their ID at the club and they need access to get into the property or whatever. I really enjoy that. I don't get any phone calls, uh, from tenants. Um, uh, it, it's just, I get to just focus <laughs> on, uh, you know, strategy and, you know, rehabbing or something like that, but I don't have to deal with the day to day. Um, and, and for those out there, like, um, a lot of people are like, how do you not manage your own properties and do it all yourself? It's like, no, I, I love paying the property management company to not mm-hmm. do that, not deal with taking cash or, you know, just you know, them paying their rents. Also, I have filed for evictions and they do that process for me as well. Great. Um, also, you want to ask, do they have an in-house lawyer that's mm. that, that, they, that, that they have, uh, to do the evictions for? Because again, the company that outsources, um, it's double the cost, you know, instead of 350, it's 550. Wow. And okay. you don't have oversight. You can't talk to them as directly, right? Cause it's not in-house. Right. Got um, it. So that's another another thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I would say I love not having to deal with the eviction process manually. Mm-hmm. I just say, hey, this person's two months late, file the eviction, and then they do it. Yeah, So
0: So we we just had a gentleman named Dr. Joe Azamoa on the podcast, and he talked a lot about how screening the tenants are such a crucial part of being a successful real estate investor. How involved are you with the screening process? And where do you have the oversight with your property management company?
1: This is great. This is absolutely great. Um, You you touched a, a, a good point. And I'm not trying to be negative, but I don't think the property manager's they're trying to fill the properties. They're not looking as intently as you. So I actually screen every tenant myself. And what I negotiated with the property management company, they typically want a total, a first month's fee, right? To get the tenant, so on and so forth, move them in, blah, blah, blah. I told them in my contract that I signed with them, I'm going to screen all tenants and place them and not pay that fee. The only fee that I pay you, is the $60 or $50 trip fee for when they go show the tenant the house and then move them in? So instead of paying them my whole first month, which is $1,300 or whatever I'm getting, I'm now only paying them $100 or $150 for the same work. And I'm screening so thoroughly and putting the best tenant in there. And I'm doing it way quicker than what the property management company would do, would do it in their, their timeframe because they're managing multiple properties. So Thank
0: you happy. for dropping that pro tip, man. Yes. Thank yes. you. Because yes. not only did you just save everybody like $1,000 or 1200 yes. bucks, yes. but now you're taking ownership of your properties to screen the tenants because yes. we learned from other real estate investors who have been successful in affordable housing. Screening is so important and yes. you don't want to leave that up. Mm-hmm.
1: to your property management company. You don't, you don't. They just want to put the tenant in. It's not, you know, and again, I, you know, a lot of real estate investors would be like, oh, I just do this and then I send it all to the property management company. And it's like, I know you're not cash flowing or doing as well <laughs> as you're doing if you had a little bit more oversight. And I negotiated that into my contract with the property management company. I said, I'm not paying you that fee. Um, I'm going to just pay you whatever your trip fee is when you have to go to the property when we're placing the tenant because I'm doing all the work. Mm-hmm. I'm finding a tenant. I'm screening them, so on and so forth. I just need the the boots you to be the boots on the ground, and they're typically okay with that.
0: Got it. Well, Andre, let's talk about how you screen for your residents then, because this is so important. And for someone to be like, "Hey, how do I learn from Andre?" Let's talk about what your screening process looks like. What are you looking for in terms of like minimum standards, and how do you identify? what we call is like the tier one tenants.
1: Yeah. So the tier one tenants, I've only had, I would say I've had one tier one tenant um, and it's, they've been absolutely great. They had a credit score of 730. um, And I was like, oh, if I see a 700 credit score, I I don't care what your life situation is. I'm, 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 you're, you're getting my property, but with section eight tenants, typically you're going to see under 600 credit scores, sometimes for, you know, 400s even. But what I learned is, Um, I look at their, you know, I see if they have like a lot of past debt, a lot of it is student loans or medical debt or something like that. Some of these people are in collections and things for like $300, you know? So I'm like, this is not somebody that's like frauding or taking a hundred thousand dollars out, so on and so forth. So credit to me is the least important in terms of approving someone. The most important thing is evictions on their record and, and criminal convictions. So I look for, um, stable income. Um, I don't take, I I typically steer away from people that a lot of section eight tenants are on like social SSI or, uh, social payments, um, um, or don't have jobs. Right. But still have a voucher. I I like someone that has uh, a stable income, even if it's not a ton of money, but like you, you know, you were working, you were a security guard for five years. Right. Um, so I typically look for someone that makes at least double the, uh, the, the rent. So if it's 1300, uh, at 2600, right. Like, um, and what i found out is income is a factor when you want to raise the rents because you're not just raising the rent cuz remember the tenants paying some portion so if i'm going to raise the rent the tenant has to be able to afford it so if you take a tenant that you know um doesn't have an income you you're likely not going to be able to raise the rent i haven't faced that but it is a factor so getting someone with income to you'll be able to raise rent it is a factor So I typically look for someone that has two times the rent, and then if their credit is under six hundred, instead of charging one month's rent deposit, I just, which is typically around twelve hundred or thirteen hundred, I just raise it to fifteen hundred. I mean, (laughs) fifteen hundred dollar deposit. So my pitch is everyone's approved. Um, It just matters if you have a one month deposit or a fifteen hundred dollar a month deposit.
0: Got it. No, that's really helpful that you went through all that criteria because I really love that you rely on stable income because one, it shows and demonstrates the the resident or tenant is actively trying to work and probably trying to improve and better their life to the best of their ability. And at the same time, it also opens up you to qualify your properties for rent increases just because we know like, hey, a resident does not pay for X amount, more than X amount or more than x percentage of what they make mm-hmm. a month so just because you increase the rents by 300 bucks does not mean their portion goes up by 300 bucks a month correct it does not correct. it does not it might even say the same if they, they're they they do not get a wage increase so yeah. i don't want anyone out there to think about like oh andre's just trying to raise 300 bucks a month no it's it's disproportionate to how much they make whenever they rent increases where right. really the government might be taking on the brunt of that rent increase correct so Correct. Wanted to make sure I clarify that for folks that might not be understanding that
1: it's averages around the government's paying around uh, 75%, 75 to 80% is what they're paying. Right. So um, when they raise the rent, obviously the tenant's going to pay a little bit more. And however that's calculated, I don't know, but it it is, it's calculated. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's how I screen for my tenants.
0: Awesome. Love it. Um, Andre. So you now have a great team. What type of rehabs are you typically looking for now? Are they just light rehabs or have you built the confidence to go after heavy rehabs? Tell us where your mindset is on yeah, rehab scope.
1: Great question. So now that I've got the guy and the team, uh, my rehabs have gotten progressively and progressively uh, more lengthy or or more complex. Um I'm even looking at a house that was burned down right now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, so, but I haven't done that yet. i I that will be a process for me um, afterwards. But now I'm doing complete new flooring, all new paint, uh, finishing the basement, um new cabinets in the kitchen, uh, remodeling the bathroom, installing new tubs. I mean, pretty much everything, um, but nothing like from the studs up, right? Like I, I haven't taken it down to the studs and, you know, and done that kind of rehab, just more like maybe as complex as a cosmetic rehab can get is, is what I've done. Um, got it. Um, and so right now I've got two that I'm reha- rehabbing as we speak. Uh, my last mm-hmm. two I acquired with my credit line, um, and those are a little bit more uh, involved. So, for example, the property has the old stay block electrical panel, which your insurance company is not going to insure you if it has that electric
0: panel. Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. So I had to get that whole new electric panel and rewiring done throughout the house. Right. So that's something I had to get done. Um, and how much does that cost? It was 2,500. It was twenty five. Okay, great. Which is not, you know, but it, it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit more involved, right. I had to get them to do that first before I started the rehab, right. Because I didn't want, faulty electrical wiring to be in there while i've got a team in there doing things right so those types of things you got to think about but uh, yeah and then they're doing um taking out the flooring taking out the tile new cabinets in the kitchen i mean just that that kind of stuff but i haven't done ground up or you know a property that has had a fire that, mm-hmm. that will be next after these after the couple of these
0: Okay. This is going to be great. Cause we had a episode about the Lancer market and, and they did really well from the episode standpoint because they were able to share some of the numbers of rehabs. Are you able to share like how much in general, like a flooring job takes? Like is a dollar per square foot for LVP? How much hey. does it cost to paint certain things? Do you have any of those numbers off the top of your head that you can share with the audience? Yeah.
1: So, so I would say, so yes, that's a good question. Um, so to do an entire house is typically around seven to eight rooms. Right, is how they like calculate mm. it, and it's like 350 a room, right? Like to, to paint it, then they'll charge you 400 a room if you need to do all the doors as well and the trim on the doors, right? So, so a, to paint an entire house, you're looking at like 3000, right? Three, three, three to three to three, 3 500 or so. Um, yeah, yeah. And
0: that sounds about right because uh, we're generally about like three dollars a square foot where I've done um, some of the rehabs in the in the okay. past, and you seem to be at like a thousand dollar thousand square foot homes or maybe a little bit above
1: that. Yeah, How about yeah the yeah.
0: Flooring. Uh, what does that typically cost you guys to
1: do? like yeah, so LGBT you know what, like my my I do luxury vinyl plank, and mm-hmm. I don't know, I know I'm paying below market, but he's able to <laughs> do a uh, thousand square foot home for like eighteen hundred, everything. Whoa! Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. And I know that's cheap, but it's quality and it's cheap. And that's why I like the guy I have because he's like, and I I don't mean this disrespect, but like he's like from Brazil, you know, you know, choppy English, right? Like, like, um, um, just gets things done quick and cheap you know, but, but is also quality. So Andre,
0: has like, got the plug. That's why you're going to blow yeah. up after this I'm not giving my
1: contractor out to anybody. <laughs> because, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's, that's cheap. I know that's. I'm like, how is flooring cheaper than painting? Right. Like I just, yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't make any sense at all. Um, right. So, um. so yeah, no, this is really cool, man. I think, we have uncovered so much value in this less than an hour conversation with you, Andre, where we talked about some of the deals, what to look in St. Louis, how, what markets to kind of go afterwards, how you built your team. This is all in all a very well-rounded conversation that we covered all these different aspects. And I think the audience will take away so much from a conversation. Um, tell us what you're working on next, man. Like it seems like you got a $1.7 million portfolio. What's next for you, man?
1: Yeah. So, so what I'm doing now is I'm fully focusing on that burr strategy where buying properties, doing a 15 to 20 K reno and then refinancing it. uh, Right. I'm taking home 400, $500 a month cash flow, but profiting around 20 K per property. Right. So that's what I'm focused on now doing. And let me tell you why. When I first got started, I had my three properties a year ago when I spoke to you. Everything is great. I'm cash flowing my 500 a month. Great. But if I had one major thing happen, I don't have cash flow for an entire month. Mm. And that just so, so what what that would do is that would mean, oh, now I got to go two years on this property just to make my money back. Right. And so the way I looked at it was, how can I make money instantly while also getting that cash flow? And that's why now, I've got this credit line that allows me to buy quickly um, rehab it and then refinance it right after. So how did I hit now? I've now I've got 16 properties. So now I'm cash flowing consistently every month. But if I only had, if I, if I'm somebody that's starting out, right, they only got two or three or four properties, one major thing goes out and like you don't have cash flow or cash, you know, that's not a great feeling. Now, luckily, When I got started, I had capital so I could afford it. I also had my job, have my job, right? So, you know, it wasn't the end of the world, but I do want this to be a sustainable standalone business. And so the way I thought about it is like, how can I get money right away? So that that if something happened, I'm still positive. Like, because if you're getting a property and you're just hoping it cash flows for the year, you have to understand like something will, you know, will go wrong. Right. Right. So, um, that's what I would, that's what I would tell people, but now when you scale and get bigger, now you're just, you know, even if something major goes wrong, you're, you're still making cash.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think that's so important for people to think about, like, that's why a W2 job is so important. It's like, you can afford to make some mistakes and learn at the same time while continuing to grow. Just learn from Andre's example and don't be in such a rush. Just take the time and real estate is just... Long game, right? You have to take your time to learn about everything that might go wrong, and that really allows you to present yourself in a better light to potential future partners. Yes. Um, Andre, you told me about a course you're starting. Yes. To so now make. that I'm what, doing what that, what's that all about?
1: Yes. Now that I'm doing that, so everything I talked to you about here, um, I'm actually going to go over my process in my course called Section Eight Eight Minutes, and essentially I'm going to walk you through how to do exactly what I'm doing very quickly. Um, I also have a book coming out as well. So title, title to be determined, but it will be a play on the section eight and eight minutes. And I'm just looking at coaching and teaching people more about these types of things, uh, about real estate investing. And eventually, uh, you know, I do see myself, um, you know, being able to retire from my, uh, you know, from, from my W-2 job. You know, I would say no more than a year, but I'm looking to try to get this done in the next six months or so, but um, no more than a year. And uh, so, yeah. So, and I want to just do coaching, helping. Uh, I remember, I don't know if I'd ever told you, but my life goal is, you know, to to just be a volunteer basketball coach. And, you know, if I have kids someday.
0: That is so cool.
1: Coach, right. So how do I get there by setting up a passive business? Right. And then, you know, so scaling it and being able to uh, work in my business and yeah, so that so that's what's next for me. Course coming uh, certainly by the end of this year. Called Section Eight in Eight Minutes. You can follow the Instagram, the TikTok, and the Twitter. Section Eight in Eight Minutes. Um, got it. And so that's that's what I've got going on.
0: Well, I'll definitely make sure I link to your Instagram, your socials, and then when the time comes, I'm happy to update the show notes for you for your course. I love the value that you are to provide today. Um, I got one more question for you. This is a question I've been asking every single guest uh, that has come on to the podcast. Andre, why why do you think affordable housing, particularly the lack of supply, is just so hard to solve for?
1: You know what I I actually think it's easy to solve for, but but it really comes down to state and local legislation. Mm. It, it you know I actually think it would be relatively easy to get it done. Um, I you know but. They allow, you know, the Black Rocks, the vanguards that, you know, to, 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 to buy homes to, you know, that people are not going to live in. They just want to, you know, rent rent. Right. Like it's going to need to get um, up to the local and state legislatures to, to really fix this. But I, do, I think it's actually pretty simple to fix.
0: Whoa, this is an interesting perspective because yeah, I yeah. think it's as easy as the as the conversations go, right? It's yeah. like, hey, if everybody's in agreement and everything went the right way and everybody don't, doesn't fight about different ideological uh, perspectives and just want to truly help people, yeah. we might actually solve
1: this. Yeah, but it, to solve it in its current I, – I don't see how they solve this without – um, you know, some sort of government intervention, like like maybe you have a 0% interest rate if you're living in the home and then investors mm-hmm. have to pay. Yeah, I, I don't know. They've got to come up with something, but I, I think it wouldn't be the, the hardest thing. Um, I, you know, obviously in California, you're in California, but, you know, they have put a limit on how much new housing can be built, right? And, and multifamily. <laughs> things like that. I mean, so it, I think it's out of our control. It's really just gonna come up to state and local legislatures. So, you know, that, no, that's that's, a, that's my opinion.
0: That's a great perspective, man. And that's why I'm collecting all these opinions from yeah. everybody. This is gonna be really cool once I kind of consolidate everything. Um, <laughs> Andre, so you talked about your 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 social media. Where can people get in touch with you? Is that the best way to kind of DM you and message you and
1: stuff like that? That is, that is the best way. Also, I didn't I didn't plug this, but you know, there was an article that that was released on me from CEO weekly this week. Um, Awesome. I think I texted it to you, but yeah, if you want to link that as well, it talks about my journey a little bit more in depth um, and how I got here. Right. But um, in terms of linking with me, yes. DM me on, on on social media, that, that is the best way. And the course will be out uh, pretty soon. Got it. All right. Awesome.
0: Well, Andre, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for sharing all the secrets for the St. Louis market, especially on how to succeed as a section eight, investor in that market. So we really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll have you back on again in another year and let's see how much even more growth has been uh is gonna come yep. your way. I'm yep. super excited and thank you so much, man. Really thank appreciate you. it.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you, Ken. All right. And we're out.